0: Hey boozers. It's Gabe and I am solo tonight. Um more today um because we had some conflicts in scheduling and I got home a little later than expected and I am going to be reading you an article now um I do know that I mentioned that I was going to end up doing the the devil made me do it case now this case is his name was Arnie Johnson and this was in 1981 and we discussed how this is also tied in with like Ed and Lorraine Warren and we had previously talked about them when we did The Conjuring House now again Alexa said to have you guys listen to it beforehand so you kind of got the gist of where Ed and Lorraine Warren Lauren kind of stand in this whole thing um kind of like where they stood in The Conjuring House. Some of the things that they did were not right. Let's just put it that way. Just not right. So, again, I'm going to be doing the Devil Made Me Do It. Now, I do know that we posted on our Facebook page, and I kind of want to um, dedicate this episode. If you... If, let's let's say it that way um to izzy we lost um i heard that he had passed just recently and he really enjoyed our podcast and he always pushed us to keep going um kept telling us how good you know our talent was and our creativity and stuff like that and he really pushed us and i love that about him and so this, this one is for you. Um, I'm just going to be reading you an, an article that I found on oxygen and because I'm unprepared. <laughs> My sister had a signing for college today and it was just a very stressful day. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so without further ado, grab a drink and let's get cracking. So paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, whose work is central to the conjuring, um, they were also involved in a slippery case of the first accused murder to claim a demonic possession in court. Now, in a small town um, in Connecticut in 1981, a brutal killing was brought about um one of the most Unprecedented criminal defense strategies to emerge in U.S. history. The Fairfield County, a young attorney representing the accused teenager, told Connecticut's Superior Court that his client should not be held um, accountable for stabbing his landlord to death because the killing was a result of a demonic possession. The sensational case of 19-year-old Arnie Cheyenne Johnson charged for killing of a 40-year-old Alan Bono brought national media attention to the Fairfield County in what quickly became known as the Devil Made Me Do It murder trial. The case again drew the nation's eyes of self-professed demonologists, and paranormal investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren. The couple who had lived in nearby Monroe was known for their investigations into the supposed Amityville hauntings years prior on Long Island, as well as their attachment um, to supernatural happenings at the council house in Enfield, section of North London. Um, the prelude to Johnson's legal case, um, along with the supposed mid exorcism wrestling of a demon from his girlfriend's kid brother into himself proves one prong of the plot of the conjuring, the devil made me do it, which by the way, if you haven't watched it, it's actually a really good movie. Um, Since the horror film largely skips over the trial proceedings in favor of jump scares and other fictional murder subplots, um, viewers may be left wondering, like, what actually happened in Brookfield with the Johnsons' um, unprecedented defense. And so at a glance, the killing of Bono on February 16th of 1981 at Brookfield Law... Brookfield dog kennel looked straightforward. An alcohol-fueled tussle led to a five-inch pocket knife being drawn, followed by a brutal stabbing that left the new-in-town 40-year-old kennel keeper dead. The Washington Post reported in 1981, as the trial loomed, that Johnson's lawyers said that there were four or five tremendous Wounds, including one extending from Bono's stomach to the base of his heart. His murder was the first in Brookfield history. It was not an unusual crime, then the police chief John Anderson had told the Post. Somebody got angry, an argument resulted, and we couldn't have a simple, uncomplicated murder. Oh no. Instead, everyone in the whole world um, converges on Brookfield. Johnson was found that day about two miles away, arrested, and then held at the Bridgeport Con- Correctional Center in lieu of a $125,000 bail. He said he remembered nothing of what happened at the kennel, um, That day, his fiancée, Debbie, along with her nine-year-old cousin, Mary and Johnson's sister, Wanda, Debbie told police that just before the stabbing, a drunk Bono, from whom she had worked grooming and tending to dogs, had grabbed Mary and wouldn't let go. Now, Johnson had interviewed, and he began growling like an animal, she said. (laughs) Interviewed? It's freaking intervened. Oh, it's been a night, okay? Um, so he intervened, and he began growling like an animal, she said. Now, before drawing his knife, um, before stabbing her boss repeatedly, and in months before the stabbing, she said that her fiancé had started to show some odd behaviors, falling into trances growling, hallucinating, which he wouldn't remember afterwards. And this was alarming, similar to her younger brother's recent behavior, which began in the summer of 1980, after he had entered a rental property the couple had acquired. At a first glance, uh, the post reported eleven year old David claimed to have seen an old man with a coarse ruddy skin um, wearing a torn plaid shirt and blue jeans in the house. The man told the boy to beware as he pushed him into a water bed that had been left behind the house in the master bedroom. I used to have a waterbed in um like sixth grade, I swear, literally the greatest thing to ever sleep on is a water bed because whenever you move, the bed moves and it's so great. But then it like popped and that sucked. So I wish, I wish I could go back to those days. Um, So no one else had claimed to have seen this apparition, but David Sood began to show really odd behavior and have physical markings, night terrors, unexplained scratches, bruises. Sorry, (laughs) I hate being down here and then it's even worse now that I'm down here on my own. And I don't know if you guys can hear it, but like my dog's nails were clicking and it just scared the crap out of me. Um, after 12 days, his family decided to contact the Warrens for help and the Warrens said that they were very troubled by what they saw happening in Brookfield. David's supposed demonic possession was then investigated by the ca- Catholic church, according to Lorraine Warren, who said a total of six priests participated in three lower exorcisms performed on the boy. One allegedly took place at St. Joseph Catholic Church with four priests in attendance, she said, and according to her, they agreed that David was possessed. Now, which we know, I'm not saying that she's a bad person, but she tends to sprinkle a little bit more sugar on top of her sentences to make them a little better. I'm just saying. It wasn't just Ed and I. The cream of the Catholic Church was involved, and there was three tremendous documentations, she told um, News Times in an article Um That they wrote or published in 2007. At one point, Warren claimed the boy levitated. Members of his family told the Post that as the demon took over, David um, would lower his head and then slowly raise it up with his face um, contorted into a snarl. They would only see the whites of his eyes and he would laugh hideously. His mother, Judy, and the Warrens claimed that the house plates levitated, rocking chairs flew through the air, and a toy toy dinosaur walked around. That is scary. Speaking with people in 1981, Ed Warren said that he and his wife knew after these exorcisms exorcisms that 43 demons were inside of David. They demanded the names and David gave us 43. 43? I want to know how the fuck you get 43 demons. Were they just trapped in the waterbed? Or were they like... I mean, how do you get 43 demons? If you haven't seen the movie, then... I won't spoil it for you, but like there was something that was there, but I don't even honestly know if that's the truth or if that's just a fabricated thing that they did, you know, because Annabelle, she was just a raggedy and doll and they made her look a lot fucking more scarier and that's some bullshit. You know, I know you need it for TV, but at least make it look the same. She looks completely different. Completely. I think freaking... The Raggedy Andals are more scary than what they got now. Um, <laughs> anyways, so the father, Nicholas, of the Diocese of Bridgeport told people at the time, while the situation with David and the Grizzels, which is the family, was investigated by the church, no exorcism was ever performed. The family would not submit David to necessary psychological tests beforehand, he said. Hmm. Hmm, Miss Lorraine, you have some splaining to do. Or maybe the Catholic Church has some fucking explaining to do. They're like, no, we don't dabble in stuff like that. You lie. One of you motherfuckers are lying. I don't know who it is, but one of you is. Now Johnson's murder trial began on October 28th of 1990 or 1981 at Connecticut's Connecticut's Connecticut Oh my god Connecticut's Superior Court in Danbury. Now his attorney, who was 33 years old, um, his name was Martin Milena Uh, told the Post ahead of the trial that he believed Bono's stab wounds were far too deep to have been done by human hands. He also told the paper that the potential for demonic possession defense was introduced by the Warrens. Now, I didn't come up with this. Um, Milena said, this is what was presented to me. I went to go see Ed and Lorraine, and I decided to take the case after talking to them. They told me that when you're possessed, you have no control over your actions, and that stuck in my mind. Now, he told people that he had traveled to England ahead of the trial, seeking um, precedent by consulting with lawyers who had handled two alleged demonic possession cases over there. I'm gonna have to look into that because I did not know that. That should be another case. I'm gonna have to look into that one because that would be kind of cool. I could do like a whole three weeks or something of just possession. Um, he also had planned to bring um exorcism specialists from Europe into the courtroom to testify. He said he spoke of uh, subpoenas for the local priest who refused to testify. He also mentioned to the Post that he, ahead of the trial, um, that top movie studios were interested in the case. Of course they were. Um, Lorraine Warren confirmed this um, with the post interviewer, which is just like that movie that I just seen. It was a few weeks back, probably a month back. I'm pretty sure Alexis and I watched it when we were at the gym. It was the house that Zach Bagans had bought and how he demolished it. The people who lived in that house wouldn't talk to Zach because a major motion pictures company wanted to cover the story. Now, this got released, I think, last year or maybe this year. I can't remember. So I'm excited to see who picked it up, and I really want to watch the movie and see what they portray in it. Um, let's see. So ahead of the trial, um, his attorney also said that part of his defense, he planned on he planned to bring religion directly into the courtroom. The courts have dealt with the existence of God, and now they'll be asked to deal with the existence of a demonic spirit. Judge Robert Callahan, who presided over the jury trial, was swift to reject the demonic possession defense. Allowing such testimony in the court would be Irrelative and unscientific, he said. I beg to differ. I fucking beg to differ, man. The court will just take judicial notice that the profession and the business or hobby of locating demons has not risen to the level of, um, valuability where it would be of assistance to the jury in deciding the case, Callahan said. Instead, um, Milena implied self-defense at the trial, which lasted about three weeks. Jurors never heard about the word demonic possession or Johnson's mid exorcism demand that the entity inhibiting David to take him instead. Now on November 24th, after the jury, uh, deliberated for 15 hours over three days. Johnson was convicted of first-degree manslaughter. He was sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison, a model inmate, and he was released five years later. Johnson and Debbie, who married in 1980, 84, while he was in prison, maintained that their account of what happened in Brookfield with David, the circumstances of Bono's murder, and Johnson's demonic possession was all true. Upon his release from prison, Johnson has showed no signs of possession, according to the Warrens, who spoke with the Associated Press in 1986. Ed Warren told the AP that possession doesn't last 24 hours a day. It comes quickly and leaves quickly. Lorraine, who died in 2019, mer- maintained that it was real too. She had recounted her ver- re Yes, recounted her version of the events in 1983 book, um, The Devil in Connecticut. And after its publication, she reportedly sent 2,000 in profits to the book, from the book to the Gazelle family. However, in 2007, Debbie's other brother, Carl, claimed in illegal filing that most of the incidents described in the book are complete lies. Again. Again with Lorraine's shit, man. I'm telling you. I used to love them, but after Alexis gave me the um play-by-play of what really happened in The Conjuring House, I do not trust a single thing that I hear about them anymore. I feel like they really fabricated everything like I honestly do. Now I know like watch just watching the movies itself can't give you any like justice. Like th- I know that for a fact that this is not what's real because it's Hollywood. Things need to be exaggerated because they're looking for ratings. It needs to have that jump scare, it needs to have that that eeriness to it. So I understand movies and stuff like that. However, what they like reading what they wrote for themselves and then having the families that they wrote about come out and say that's not true. That's not what happened. Actually, it was this that happened or um we told them not to do it and they did it anyways. That's the shit that I'm talking about. That right there. So um, him and his family were manipulated and exploited by the Warrens. The paranormal investigators were opportunists who had turned his little brother's undiagnosed schizophrenia, which he said caused David to experience hallucinations and delusions from 1979 to 1982 into a media frenzy that fueled their fame and profits, but led him to lose relationships and business opportunities, he claimed. Lorraine, who was then newly widowed, said in 2007 that such accusations that her and her husband would go so far as to manipulate a family for profit were upsetting. Listen, Lorraine, I don't know where you ended up, but girlfriend, if you hear me, no, you do not. Okay. I just don't, don't haunt me. Don't come to me in my dreams. I'm just saying you're awfully sketchy. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying, you're just sketch. Okay. Um, You can't imagine something that you've done that nobody could poke holes in and have something come out by somebody who knows nothing about what they're doing, she said. Now, back in 1981, as the murder trial of his big sister's trusted fiancé was approaching, David Gazelle was just entering entering sixth grade and reported for people described him as a clouded and grim at the time and reported that at the point of his childhood, his attacks and fits were less frequent at times and he still had to sleep with the light on. David was a good kid. He never bothered anyone, said Carl. Um, He lived a living hell because of all the negative attention. I bet you he did. I bet you that was like (laughs) the worst thing for him. Now, recently, Carl had spoke to Hartford and saying that he has left Connecticut and is working on a book with a professional writer about his family's past that has a twist to it. So I will have to find that book and get back with you guys because I bet you... I might read it. I don't know. Maybe Alexis will read it. I really don't know. But this article was actually just published last year. It was June 4th of 2021. I know this is a little bit of a smaller um, episode today, and I do apologize. I have been losing my mind this entire week, getting stuff ready for my sister signing, for her college, and then just other things in the world. And this one kind of slipped through my fingers. This week went by a lot faster than I thought it was going to. And then we stayed later at my sister's signing than I thought I was going to. So Alexis is sleeping at this point in time. So you just get me. I do apologize. I know that I'm not like the best at, you know, I I almost thought about like doing a whole little like, hey, it's Gabe and I'm Alexis, you know, but I figured that would not be, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't keep doing that. So you just have to deal with me again. Um, I might, I don't know, I might talk with Alexis and see, I might pull up those other two possession cases and maybe because I'm a piece of shit and I'm giving you a shitty episode, I think that maybe I'll give you guys a surprise episode for Sunday no, wait, she's going to be gone this weekend. So maybe like Monday or Tuesday. I know that she will just have to figure it out. Maybe, maybe I'll give you guys a surprise episode. (gasps) Oh, (laughs) I thought it was not recording. It definitely is recording still. Anyways, I will talk to you boozers later. Bye.